3: Doctor,
2: look. Stand aside,
3: nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew.
4: That's oh.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Doctor Homebrew, we are back. We have two homebrewed beers. Enough with this mead talk. We had a bunch of meads on the last show. Let's get back to grain-based, home-brewed, I don't know, whatever. Um, but if you want to be on the show, like you, like all good homebrewers should, they should email brian at thebrewingnetwork.com, and you'll be speaking with Mr. Brian Cooper, who is Grandmaster BJCP Judge, and uh, so you can bombard him with any sort of spam. If you want to sign him up for, like, uh, weird emailing lists or whatever, please feel free to do that. But also if you want to be on the show email Brian at the com, and he'll get you booked on the show send us a couple beers it's easy process painless i promise and uh, or if you're in the bay area we can maybe figure out a way to you know get beers delivered i don't know whatever you want to do we'll meet you somewhere uh, but yeah come on the show and we'll uh, we'll hang out we'll drink your beers and we'll judge them and uh you know
1: it'll be a good time something really Sorry. tough to dig through and, and long and I had, you on,
0: I had you on mute Cooper. So well, oh, I didn't mean, I, I forgot the Jason's beer was blocking. Oh, okay. Me. So uh, I was going to
1: say too, though, if you want to, if you want to email me uh, you can also email me at the, on the BJCP page, you can find me as one of the officers. I'm the West coast representative. So if you live in California Nevada or Hawaii, you can email me and, and um, you know, send me any issues or questions you have about, the Beer Judge Certification Program. We're gonna be meeting at uh NHC in uh in Pittsburgh uh next month, about well, less starting less than a month from now. And um have actual real meetings and stuff there and and uh you know talk about things the BGSP is doing. And um, so we're trying to work on making some improvements. And I really like to listen to our members and and on that side of things too, and really our hearts in the right place it's a it's i admit it's a slow moving ship but we we do want the best part we're working to uh, make in, incremental improvements on that side of things too so you know we can talk about a lot of different things
0: <laughs> that sounds beautiful dude i wasn't paying attention i was playing with my light sorry okay yeah so yep. say that again
2: <laughs> Complain about the BGCP. I'm kidding. Man. It's don't a slow it. moving ship. Yeah, something blah, meeting, blah blah yada yada, yada yada. <laughs> I don't
0: know, whatever's going on. <laughs> 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 whatever's <laughs> happening. Uh but you know what's not a slow moving ship is the way to clean and sanitize your home brewing equipment. And I don't know what that segue was about. But five starchemicals.com, that is what cleaning and sanitizing is all about. I just used them again when I brewed recently last month, and uh it was a dream. It's easy, it's always super easy with 5 Star. You go to 5starchemicals.com and learn about the best ways to clean and sanitize your equipment especially that nasty ass fermenter you got. We all got one where the, the valve is like uh, I don't know man. Maybe like the spigot. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's never fine. Take that dumb thing apart. Fucking clean it. Let it soak in some PBW even overnight if you want. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. There you go. That's it. I
1: agree. 5starchemicals.com I need to take apart my spigot and really you got to, do, baby. S- do some work on it. Yeah. Because I'm sure that's gnarly in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? Also, uh,
0: even on um, like your, your ball valves on your pumps, even though you think it sees hot side action, the ball, the butterfly valve, the butterfly valves are the best, but the ball valves, they have, it's a cup. You don't always get every single side of that ball valve, so you take those ball valves apart too. Rinse them in PBW. Don't just run it through the PBW, or don't just run it through the ball valves. Take the things apart. Do some maintenance on this stuff. Trust me, you'll find little boogers. You
1: will How do you always feel about, find it. about like you? homebrew scale heat exchangers?
0: <laughs> oh God, <laughs> man! At Morbier, we we tried not selling them for a long time because it's like, no, these can't be clean and even the manufacturer like the first people were were like no this is these are for these are made for like cruise ships to cool their water down quickly it's not made yeah they're not made to pass like solids through because they get stuck in the things but yeah nobody listened and um here we are
1: so if you took yeah. one of those things and sliced them in half with a hacksaw and you saw what was inside, I, did that. I bet you'd be astounded. Oh yeah, it's like a honey they're
0: honeycombs. And so yeah. like the the they they come together at of forty-fives or ninety, not 90s, forty-fives or less. You know what I mean? They're just they're you can pick you can shove a dental pick in there and it'll get stuck right. in there. They're bad it's but, bad. Yeah.
1: Since but, this was the pros use, homebrewers want it too. Like just like the conical <laughs> fermenters. <laughs> On a homebrew scale, from <laughs> what I understand, when I was when i was taking classes at at, in davis uh you know charlie bamforth and michael lewis there's that they're like conicals on a giant you know massive commercial scale you get that that turnover that it keeps the beer circulating it you know flows down and up the sides but on a homebrew scale it's too small to really really do that i mean it's nice because you can take the yeast out the bottom Mm -hmm. and stuff but there's minor benefits but you know having a really nice conical isn't much better than just having a glass fermenter or a oh, whatever yeah oh yeah shape fermenter you know
0: yeah as far they as like fermentation yeah, yeah they do look cooler and they're easy to use and if you drop it it's not going to explode and slice in our artery
2: <laughs> that's that was true always never, the main never, thing. never use a glass never use a
1: glass cowboy. i always use the yeah. brew the brew haulers and i yeah yeah it's it's you know
0: i i like the the conicals because you can cool it and whatever and you know you can Dump it and i like all the valves and all that kind of stuff but uh yeah i mean as far as like fermentation science it's probably not the best it's way better than kegs people are still trying to use like five gallon kegs to ferment it's like those don't no man honey baby don't do that i remember
2: when the plate chillers first hit the market probably like 2010-ish 2008-ish something like that yeah and they get oh hell no there's no way i was ever gonna do it because you either have to uh, take the whole thing apart every time. <laughs> there you go. Or there are people that were like, oh, yeah, there you go. Or you got to put it so in right. the oven. Like some people are stand by. And yeah. I guess that's the one point about like you talk about five star and like you can't sanitize shit. Well, maybe if you've baked it and there's no bacteria left.
0: That's exactly uh, right. And I remember that. So, Jason, what do you do with your plate? You just held up. Was it a Blickman one?
3: No, this is a Duda Diesel. Okay.
0: And how do you so, uh, how do you sanitize that
3: bad boy? So what I do is I got a um, I got a small micron mesh filter mm-hmm. that I put on the outlet of it and flush a whole bunch of water through it while I'm cleaning my uh, fermenters to capture all the particles of in it, and then I'll black, ah. back flush it out, do the same thing, catch all the particles, then I'll run. PVW through it and then another hot water rinse and then star sand.
0: Okay. And when you catch in the particles, do you find, do you find a lot of smeg coming out of there?
3: Not real. Most of what I find coming out is like grain husk.
2: Okay, Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. But that's, that's what you have to do. I mean, Jason's doing it right. Uh, and for listeners at home, if you're going to use a plate chiller, like any tool, it's it's a tool and you have to understand what its limitations are and what its maintenance requirements are and if you think you can just plate chill and then just like oh i'm tired i'm going to put it away and then just maybe run a little pbw through it and then use it next time you're going to you're going to be uh, having a bad time yeah you're going to have a bad you know, time you've got to understand what what's happening there and to use a plate chiller at a homebrew level or even at a commercial level, you've got to clean that thing real good. Multiple steps like Jason just talked about. And you've got to be on it pretty
1: quick. You can't be lazy like yep. me. It's like, oh, I'm done homebrew. Yep. I'm going to go sleep and watch some TV. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Have I want to spend beer. some time with my kids yeah. or I want to do whatever. No. Yeah. I, no, you have to be on it and you have to deal with it before it hardens or even gets like kind of syrupy
0: congealed yeah yeah i forgot about mm-hmm. baking it actually that was yeah that was a thing God, it's been too long but then long. You,
1: you're baking it and you end you got the schmeg in there still it's not gonna
0: you know yeah it's but it's gonna unless just it. schmeg that's that the thing you can through. still kill it
1: but anyway jason it, welcome yeah.
0: back
2: dude
3: thank you and i was gonna say too if you have some extra money both granger and sabco do sell homebrew scale plate and frames
2: Interesting. It was it was only When Ranger sells everything.
0: I mean, when I was when I was researching these at Moore Beer, it was like two thousand three, two thousand four, or whatever. There was a company that was making it, but they were like six hundred dollars our cost, mm-hmm. and it's like ah, that I can't. No, there's home aren't going to pay that. And that this was back before. This is like when people were like, "Oh God, a, f- a conical? I don't know. That's really expensive." But now I think if you have a piece of three hundred dollar homebrew equipment, you're like, "Yeah, okay." cool makes it <laughs> makes sense uh so it does not surprise me at all that we have small plate and frame chillers at all Oh, nope. good for them uh what are we drinking today jason what did you send us man
3: all right so i sent you there's when i when i'm doing recipe development there's really i try to not do any clones of commercial beers or anything like that there's really only um three beers that draw inspiration when i brew from commercial beers i make like a West Coast version of England since I can't get it out here and no one can, unfortunately. Mm. Um Rogue used to make a maple bacon beer that did they did oh, in yeah. collaboration <laughs> with um Voodoo Donuts, Voodoo which donut. I really loved. Yeah, yeah I remember that like one batch of it. Yeah. So kind of made a version of that, but made it a rye IPA. And then this beer is a smoked Belgian IPA. It originally started out as somewhat of a Slight my attempt to clone raging bitch, um, <laughs> flying dog.
0: Flying dog. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, and it's also kind of reminiscent of the Stones, uh, Belco, and um, mm-hmm. the um, no Kelly Belgique from Stone and Belco from Northern Brewer, which are no longer mi- or Northern Brewer from um, you'll get it. That's, you get uh, it, the Fat Tire Brewery.
2: That's there. Not the we name. go there.
3: You New know, Belgium.
2: I I New always like the Cal, I always like the Kelly Belgique a lot. Yeah. So um. I wanted
3: to make it my own, so it turned into a smoked Belgian IPA. Okay. Um, kind of with a little bit of a throwback to the uh, Raging Bitch, and this is I've been working on this recipe for maybe eight, ten years or so. Wow. I'm um, Never really found a smoke profile that i liked on it despite trying various smoke levels and pretty much every smoke malt you can get commercially in the u.s so yeah
0: because it's hard because you have phenols on phenols yeah so that is a hard balance to do and when i read this label i was like oh shit this is gonna be a train (laughs) yeah this is gonna be um very challenging to to do but um smelled it and and it's it definitely smells a lot better than i thought it would so i'm excited to drink it
3: it's it's almost there i'm maybe a batch or two away i think from okay getting it down but
0: what do you need from us do you want help coasting that last 20 percent or just general feedback about your general direction or or just nothing you're just hanging out
3: (laughs) yeah both just um how to get that final final way to um what's gonna make it you know an awesome, an awesome beer. And an awesome beer. And, you know, okay. General feedback on the flavor profile and sensory and everything.
0: Okay. All right. I think we can do that. Cooper, why don't you
1: dive in first, brother? All right. I'm pouring it. It's a little bit cold right now. So I just took it out 10 minutes ago. So it might take a little more effort to get this out. I'll warm it with my hands as much as I can. But I, I warmed it to a good judging temperature um, the other night when I pre-judged this. So... In the nose, uh, you get a pleasant combination of, of subtle smoke with prominent hop aromas aromas uh, and Belgianese character all coming through. Um, the hops are, are citrusy and tropical, nice and, you know, high, you know, in combination with the other things. It, they, they'd have to be fairly high to, to come through where they are. Um, it's got a, a, a light kind of white pepper, like phenol that comes through. You can really smell that alongside the, the smoke phenols, uh, but it's mellow. It's not too much. Um, you know, it's uh, just, just, it's clean, cleanly fermented. I'm not getting any uh, DMS or, or at all. and Then the overall phenol level is kind of medium low. It's not, it's not too intense or sharp. Which I like, so uh, give it eight out of twelve for appear- aroma. Sorry, appearance-wise, it's it's pretty, really pretty, brilliantly clear, gold-colored beer, nice white head, starts medium, sticks around very well, uh, mostly finer bubbles. I couldn't complain about the appearance at all. Three points for appearance. Um, getting into the flavor, it's a pleasant medium-low smoked malt up front, alongside a medium-low bitterness um, and a medium-high hop component. Again, citrusy. Um, I got a little floral in the flavor and some tropical. Uh, moderately dry finish, uh, as an IPA should have. It's not. It doesn't seem sweet at all. It seems fairly dry, but it's not bone dry. Uh, clean Belgian ale type ferment with nice um, fruitiness and a light peppery phenolic. Um, it, it really doesn't seem to fight with the hops from the smoke, which I liked. Uh, nothing is too much here, but it's all kind of in balance. And I can tell you're trying to dial something in here. It's really this. Is, I I can tell this is a tricky balancing act. I went mm-hmm. it a fourteen out of twenty on the on the flavor. Um, uh, mouthfeel wise, medium light bodied. It's got a medium carbonation. It's nice that there's no astringency here. There's just a, I got just a touch of alcohol warmth. Um, not, you know, not any kind of creamy quality to it. It's, just, it's, it's smooth though, for, for a rich, big smoky creation here, kind of where it should be for an IPA four out of five overall impression. Everything plays pretty nicely together here. And, and so i never, would never think that concocting such a combination would yield something palatable and fun. This beer achieves that, uh, hops came through quite nicely. And I'm I, a kind of person who likes a lot of hops when I'm getting an IPA. I, I want to have a lot of hops and notice that. And I do. Um, so definitely good hop selections. Um, and somehow the fruitiness also melds with the the fruity aspect of the hops too, which I like. Um, the malt quality is, is very subdued. You're not getting a, a big malty sweetness or any kind of caramely character in here. Um, And I like that for the IPA, the Belgian IPA style too. Um, And also I find, you know, going back to the hops, I find that when you ferment the same two words with the Belgian yeast and a clean American Chico yeast, (laughs) the Belgian yeast somehow just drags away from that hoppiness. And I don't know how you did it, but this, this one has the hoppiness, which I really like. So I, you know, you don't really um, want the malt to poke through anymore um, and the hops are kind of a nice place. I don't know. I, I landed at a. I should probably come up a little bit. I landed at a thirty-seven on this, but I I give eight out of ten for overall impression. I think. My personally, I want more hops because I always want more hops, but I know how hard it is to get that in this beer. You want more hops? I yeah, do I agree with them. the wow. The hops are are at a nice level, and it's it's really really good. I like the. So for a smoked beer, I like the level that the smoke is at, but I tend to like less smoky beers. So I would like the smoke just a tiny touch more subtle. But I think that the character of the smoke malt is really nice. But I would just, I mean, just a a tiny, tiny fraction of you know, not 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 making a, a wild adjustment there. The smoke level is nice, and it's got it's got to stand up to all those hops that you have in here too. And I don't know if you if you went too overpowering with everything it would just be a phenol bomb and it's not so it's mm. it's really nice i should probably land it like more like a 39 ish for this I, I don't know as i'm tasting it again it's really refreshing do i want to drink is it the beer for me do i want to drink pints and pints of this no but for what it's declared as it's really good it's i mean as you could say excellent i guess if it's 38 plus you know you're you're in excellent territory I'll, I'll give you at least 38 i'll change it right now
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well there you go point somewhere so yeah thank okay. you for that
2: all right char you're up uh, yes so uh so jason uh you've been on the show before so we know uh whether you are or not but for our listeners who may not have heard previous episodes i have to ask you are you in a homebrew club
3: yeah, I'm still the sole member of the Eastern Oregon Society for the Advancement of the Zymergetic Arts, so.
2: Nice. Well, hey, being the only member of any group has a lot of advantages, a few disadvantages, but a lot of advantages, yeah. because you can be in charge of everything.
3: No one to tell me I suck and I'm doing everything
0: wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, but this, what, my what, feedback sessions uh, are short, and the presentations are all on you.
3: What
1: would yeah, someone do, true. though, if, if they wanted to join this club? Could we join your club? is it uh, open you, for membership
3: yeah if you so desire um just <laughs> <laughs> just go to the yeah the aha ma- maintains the um ref- I, I did register with the aha so it's an official club or whatever nice so uh you just go on the aha's um website and search for yeah. clubs select oregon as your state um i'm out in eastern oregon canyon city is the name of the town I don't think it would be fair for us to join just to give you more members.
1: Like, yeah, no. If there's really. someone yeah. out in your area that really <laughs> wants to learn more about brewing, they would do well to to speak with yeah. you, sir. So
2: that's dues all. Dues are a thousand dollars a year. No. <laughs> I it would be hilarious though, Brian. Maybe we you and I should join this club because it would be like a three person club. It'd be you, me, and Jason, and that would be hilarious.
1: And that's like 300 sure. percent growth in an immediate and, uh, time frame. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, uh, I just trade beers over FedEx
2: and UPS and
3: make them a bunch
2: of money. <laughs> like once a year, we make a big ass road trip up the Canyon City. And I think that would be awesome. Thank you for sharing. I, I really like this beer a lot. So uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, I, I like. I really love the idea. I, like we were talking earlier. I love. I loved that Cali Belgique from Stone, and I think that the uh, the Belgian yeast, which is highly phenolic, and the smoky malt, which is highly phenolic. Really pair well together, uh, and there's it, it's so tricky to do because phenol can so easily go over the top into being plastic or band aid or medicinal or just somehow get to be really unpleasant. And even for really good smoky beers, they're not they don't hit a lot of people's palates right because a lot of people are just super sensitive to phenols, uh, and even like a something smoked is going to hit them hit them wrong. So uh, it's, it's a brave choice, but it's a choice that really works well. Uh, aroma, uh, the Belgian yeast phenol aromas plus the, uh, the smoke from the smoked malt uh, dominate the, the aroma. The, uh, they're very harmonious. They're independent, and they work very well together. There's a low malt aroma. Uh, low esters, although I may have talked myself into the presence of, of some kind of esters, I, I couldn't really detect a hop aroma just because of the intensity of the smoke. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of it's great radio for me to stop talking and to go back and, and smell. But as it cause as it, as it warms, I notice the flavor, I get a little bit more hop flavor. I, I do get like a little bit of a hop aroma, like a very low hop aroma. Almost like like Cooper was talking about, almost a floral type of hop aroma. Now that it's been, this uh, uh, bottle's been sitting out now for about uh, three hours in my uh, my kitchen, which is probably at about like 70, 71 degrees. Uh, so higher than cellar temperature, but not like hot. Uh, but it's enough to let me get a little bit of hop aroma where I didn't get it before. Uh, but eight out of 12 for for aroma. Uh, appearance is three out of three. It's crystal clear. Uh, and I should go back and my uh, Zoom here for purposes of later uh whatever I should know I, I can't but um, yeah, don't worry <laughs> if I put this thing up here uh you, you can see the golden Gate bridge but you can see it's crystal clear um it's, it's a very it was a low persistent head which at this point af- after a few hours it's not persisting but the head is is long and persistent uh it's a golden color again three out of three the uh, flavor uh, initially the flavor is is medium malt and smokiness with of a low fruity ester and i was debating even when i i wrote this maybe a couple hours ago whether what i was thinking of as a fruity ester was really an ester or if it was maybe a hop flavor kind of like with the aroma Uh, and it's one of those things where some hop varietals when you have a beer like this that is so so dominant in in one character, and it's intentionally so, right? This is intentionally a a smoke-dominant beer. Sometimes some of the supporting flavors and aromas, it can be hard to tell where they're coming from. And I think that what I was thinking of as a fruity ester may actually have been maybe more of a fruity hop character. Uh, Hmm. And as I'm drinking this now, I'm thinking more that that's a hop flavor. Interesting. Like a, uh, like maybe not because this this beer is not going to be a really estery beer. It's supposed to be an IPA. And I'm thinking this is maybe more like Cooper was talking about, maybe more of a tropical tropical sort of fruity hop flavor, more than an ester, which makes a lot more sense for what this beer is. So I'm going to change that on the fly and say. And I even made a note off of my score sheet. Or is it hops uh, for this ester thing? I'm going to say that's a hop flavor. Uh, you know, almost a, almost a berry like flavor, and I that was my my first note. Uh, and I stand by that it, it is kind of a berry like uh, uh character, and some hops can have kind of a berry type, you know, tropical type character. I'm going to call that a hop flavor. I think that the uh, this flavor is more hard, is, is very harmonious, you know, it, everything about this, uh, the the yeast character, because Belgian yeast have a very distinctive phenolic, almost smoky, not sm- but a very distinctive phenolic character. And the smoke mm. really marries well as sort of a, a, a subset of phenol with that. Can we guess um, hops? Should we guess?
3: Oh, uh, yes. Um, I, I can tell you one of them is an experimental hop okay. that recently became commercial
2: from... Well, tell, tell us later. Over an ocean <laughs> I'm going to guess mosaic, because I'm mosaic, guess mosaic seems to be... <laughs> mosaic tends to be a blueberry type of berry hop. I'm probably wrong. I'm guessing mosaic. If if I hit it, man, I am just oh, the shit. And if was not, a... I, then I, I am I am shit. So there you go. He's <laughs> uh, <laughs> shaking his head. Oh well. Look, those two now, things are be. Oh, he's already shark. shaking his head for yeah. mosaic. It's not going to be mosaic. Uh, the finish is long, long and smoky. Uh, it's very well attenuated. Uh, medium to high bitterness. Uh, I give this 15 out of 20 for flavor. I really enjoy this much like that pomegranate mead from the first show we did tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm drinking this entire bottle of uh, smoked Belgian IP. I'm not pouring any of this out. This is, this is real good. Uh, mouthfeel five out of five, medium body. Carbonation is medium. Uh, there's a low warming. Uh, there's a slight, what, what I perceive as a stringency that I don't think is a stringency from the smokiness and the bitterness, but it's not a bad astringency. It's more like, again, I think it's more not a mouthfeel, but more of a flavor. And I think it's appropriate for what this beer is. So I'm, I'm not knocking any points off and I'm giving this a five out of five for mouthfeel.
1: I would call it just like that, the the lightly ashy quality that you get from any smoke uh, phenolic. They just kind of yes. like a little, a little tongue. Yeah. Uh, you know, leatheriness or something, not, not, that's, not that's really correct. Leathery, yeah. Something
2: like that. It's totally it. correct. I mean, you're not going to give a Schlenker La Rauch beer, a, uh, a, a, a three out of five. I mean, when it's the defining beer for smoke beer, it's a 50 pointer. You're not going to knock that off for having a slight, you know, perceived astringency quote unquote uh, when that's the nature of that style of beer. Right. So that's, you know, I, I kind of note that, but it's to me that's totally what what this beer is is is, is, is part and parcel of what this beer is about. Overall impression: eight out of ten uh, for a total score of thirty nine. I gave a total score, JP. Uh, so it's good a thirty nine, uh, which is an excellent beer. This is, I think, it's really a good idea. Uh, you know, matching. Sometimes when you're coming up with something creative, you match things that are different together to create a balance. Sometimes you match like with like, kind of like with this beer, because there are different kinds of phenol, and you know they're going to meld well together. Uh, the smoke malt works really well with the Belgian yeast character. The uh, hop flavor doesn't quite stand uh, doesn't quite stand out as much as you might want it to in an IPA. But you also, it really can't, and Cooper was talking about this, you can put some more hops in here in terms, I think the bitterness is probably about fine. Uh, In terms of flavor, you can try to put more in, but I think it's always going to come in in second place to the smoke. And that's okay. You know, it can still be an IPA and not rip your face off with hop flavor or hop bitterness. You know, that's, that's okay for this style uh you know i might try to put a few more in but otherwise i don't really have a lot of uh uh, additional suggestions it's excellent uh it's very tasty again i'm drinking this whole bottle before i'm not none of this is getting poured out uh and i really appreciate you sharing so thank you so much
0: yeah i i got i got some things to say (laughs) (laughs) i got some shit to talk to you about jason all right let's do it man um
1: you got some splendidt to do it
0: yeah i mean it's it's it is a it is a smoked Belgian beer on steroids it is very very smoky and and you know without getting into into all the details because <laughs> what fun is that um i it personally i think it's it's either too bitter or too smoky and the the problem with this style that belgo smoky Ipa thing is like belgian ipas typically don't do well because of the uh, the hop bitterness and those esters from the belgian yeasts tend to clash but then you add smoke on top of that like hoppy smoky beers tend to not really do very well because of that same thing too so you have the phenols yeah the phenols so you have hops and the the phenols from the yeast which clash, and then you have the phenols from the smoke, which clash with both of those other items. So you have like a trifecta of things that that don't necessarily traditionally work well. I think, I think you are on a path to what you want to drink, and that's the important thing. Let's just not forget about that at all. But for me personally, I think it's too bitter and it's too smoky. And I, I, if if you're if you're like me, I mean, being a home brewer, you know, we sort of want to just put more shit in it and like, Oh, well maybe if I fix it, I can up this if I reduce this or whatever. I think on both the hops and the yeast or the hops and the smoke, I think you need to come back. I think you need to dial back on both of those because it's too, I think it's too astringent. It's too, not astringent, but it's too biting, biting. It's too, uh, it's, it's too aggressive for me personally. And if you like it, then whatever. But but for me, it's and then that that smoke is Cooper. I think you were saying like you don't get that ashy quality that you can with smoke beer. I I definitely get that.
1: Oh, I got a little a little bit of ash. Yeah,
0: and I don't and I don't like that in smoke beers. I like a sort of more soft, rounder, sweeter smoke. Um, so that <laughs> okay, you've ever had the, the that's my the, suggestion.
1: The Schlenkerla Hellas, like, yeah. that's a really nice example of a smoke beer where the the base style and the, the smoke level and quality are just balanced. I perfectly. agree. Like However, you can taste Hellas, you can taste smoke, and it's light, and it's right. it works. And in
0: here, I can taste smoke, and I get hot bitterness, and then somewhere underneath that third is malt. And I don't think that should be the case. So you're saying that you just think that this beer is a bad idea. I'm trying to say that in a nice way,
2: (laughs) even though it's almost JP, like you don't care for IPA.
0: Well, it's, it's, but it's not that
3: wait till he hears the (laughs) ABV.
0: Shit. Well, (laughs) 12.3. What I'd be interested in trying is the base beer also. And I know it's impossible to do necessarily, but like, Mm -hmm. I wonder if just the base beer in and of itself is too bitter for me. And that's why it's not meshing. And again, it could be just me and, and if you like it, to, you know, whatever. But yeah, not, I, I, I think it's, I think it's too, I, I would probably start with, and I'd be interested to see, to, to hear about your path with this after we get your recipe about yeah. how you've dialed the smoke in. If you're increasing it or decreasing it, I think if you just pull the smoke back 20% and went with everything the same, I think it would, I would have a much better time with it,
3: which is really all that matters. Um, yeah.
0: But anyway um, go i ahead,
3: kind of do agree that it's that's a little bit too smoky it's like I, um i know jp's probably had the guard because he interviewed him on uh the session but mm. it's kind of like their beers with the sourness but with smoke you know you have to have a half a pint for it to dull your taste <laughs> receptors yeah it's right? well, like like a schlenker law
2: which is the style defining beer i love schlenker law but I've got to drink one pint of that before my my palate readjusts. And I really enjoy the second pint, if you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Yep. You might need to go to Bamberg and drink beers there for a while and learn from some of the brewers there yeah. how to how to make those delicately balanced smoked beers. Have
2: have the club God, pay for one, it? One of these days, I'm going to Bamberg for like a week, uh, and I, I say one of these days, I'm getting older, and I better do that in the next like twenty years, or I'm going to die.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, anyway, Jason, what uh, let's let's hit your recipe real fast.
3: All right, so we'll. See. We'll start with the malt so um five percent uh gladfield manuka smoked malt which is hell of expensive in the u.s because no wait back, back back
2: up i've uh, you you are saying words that i don't understand at all what is gladfield manuka smoke malt
3: so gladfield's a maltster over in new zealand uh, uh. they sell on a limited basis here in the u.s to commercial brewers if you want a if you want any of their malt at a homebrew scale, you got to order it from Australia. Wow! So turns out five kilos costs more than a fifty-pound bag of base malt. Jesus oh,
2: Christ! What yeah. what kind of wood? What kind of smoke is that? Do you, Do you know what kind of wood they smoke that over? Manuka. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay, I you didn't go. know that was a wood. That's the second yeah. part of my yeah. not understanding huh. what's happening. It's yeah. like so this manuka. is a very unique sort of Australian yeah. wood. Then
0: puts the the New Zealand manuka New Zealand.
2: Yeah, it's
3: like the Manuka honey. It's, it's, you know, the bees make the flower, ah. and make the honey out of the Manuka flower. And then maybe it's, maybe it's the, the smoke
0: wood. that's too much. Maybe it's when that, it's that character. Maybe yeah. it's not the amount. Do you like that, that character from the, the Manuka yeah, wood? Yeah,
3: I've tried this, like I said before, I've tried this with beechwood. wood. I've tried this with peach, okay. apple, oak, hickory, uh,
2: anything everything you can but, imagine that's everything but cherry wood. Smoke. It, Cherrywood, yeah, and this I'll is it.
3: this
0: is the profile that that speaks to you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now,
2: now right. that you mention that, you know, it's a little bit. If you've had that dogfish head, Palo Santo Marone, yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, that's super. That's that's too intense for me. The manuka is maybe like in that family of aroma and flavor, but it's maybe like twenty five percent. You know, a third's a quarter or a third of what that Palo Santo you know, Palo Santo was an intensity. Right. But it's maybe in that family, if that makes any sense.
1: I wonder what would happen if you added the, the Manuka honey as well. In the, to try I wheat actually
2: wheat. have
3: I actually do have a plan to make a honey brown out of yeah. the smoke a smoked honey brown out of Manuka honey and the Manuka smoked. That's for oh, another please, episode. please
2: send that to please send some of that into us. That will be <laughs> that'll be freaking awesome. I will I will I, love that.
3: I definitely will. So for the rest of the recipe, um, so like I said, the 5% of the manuka smoked malt, Hmm. um, the rest is just uh, base malt. And then we got some advanced hop products. So I used a 10 mil hop shot at 60 minutes. Um, Then I got 45... Do do you know what
2: variety of hops that is, or if that's just a hop shot, like they don't give you a a variety?
3: Uh, It's from... Yakima so Valley hops, they just listed as a CTZ extract. CTZ, extract. okay, gotcha. Yeah.
1: Just gets you your bitterness.
3: Yeah. Gotcha. So then 45 IBUs of Chinook at 60 minutes. Wow. And then uh, 28 IBU of Eclipse at 40 minutes. Wow. wow. Okay. And then, yeah, the. Duval yeast, Belgian Golden Strong. Oh, good okay. choice.
2: Wow. I wonder what you said would happen. be surprised yeah. about your ABV? What did you say what, what did you estimate? Did <laughs> oh, you yeah. measure or estimate your ABV? Measured, and what was it?
3: Four. Nine point one. Oh, <laughs> oh,
2: it doesn't wow. taste like it. So it's it's a double IPA then essentially. Yeah, basically. Yeah.
3: And that was intent. that was definitely intentional. It, uh, <laughs> let me bring up my session notes. I'll give you now, the exact numbers.
0: Now I know why you're in a one man homebrew club. Yeah, <laughs> now you can't get kicked out for bringing this in. It's a so,
1: it's a
3: Belgian beer. You got to have a, a little alcohol in there. Sure. Ben was the OG. Wow. And uh, ten thirteen was the final. Trying to abuse our livers here
1: without us knowing it. <laughs> That's wild.
3: Well, I'm drinking uh, sake because I'm out of that stuff. So all right.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, I wonder what would happen if you mixed. The Belgian yeast it did a, a a dual yeast fermentation, mixed the Belgian yeast with a more neutral, like a you know uh, London nice. or a, a, a Chico super yeast. Yeah, just something more neutral to to kind of dry dull the more. effect of how not necessarily just to dry it out more, but to dull the effect of the the Belgiany aspect of it, which pulls away from the hops to me, and the smoke is already fighting with the hops a little bit but it's you know yeah. in a way they were they're fairly harmonious and getting there but yeah dialing back the smoke maybe 20 like jp said maybe even I more maybe that. even cut it in
2: I, half. And see what I, happens. I don't know I, I don't know that i would want to dial back the smoke i love the intensity of the smoke in this if you're going to make a smoked beer i think you just own it and make this make it a smoked beer no and i really like the level of smoke in this
1: Well, make two versions. Like make make (laughs) make a ten gallon batch and pull off the the wort, five gallons of the wort, and then steep another, you know, a a couple percent of the smoke malt in the second half and then ferment them out and see and see and enter them both in competitions and see what wins. I don't know.
2: That's a good point. And send them both to Dr. Homebrew, (laughs) big big one for me and one for JP. Yeah, you gotta make which one scores better
1: specifically dialed into our each particular (laughs) taste.
2: I'm I'm just saying, but it's a good point because some phenol, the smoke and phenol is so, so divisive. Right. And it's one of those things that everyone's got their own threshold for what they think is good versus what they think is, you know, band y or medicinal or, or not so good. Uh, And it would be fascinating to, You know, if you if you did that or if someone were to do that and send in a couple of different smoked beers that we could judge kind of back to back, for example, uh, to see like what everyone's perception of that would be, you know, because once you're in this kind of territory, it's very divisive. And what kind of scores you get in competition start to reflect people's personal palates more than what the objective guidelines are just because of how that's going to hit everyone's palate.
1: But, or even the order of the judging, because you, you are in a flight oh, of yeah. 10, 10 smoked beers and you get hit yeah. by one. That's just massive. And then you yep. taste one that's lighter. It's like, Oh, that one's better, you know, but it may not really be better. It's just, you got blown away by one. And then it's like, Oh, I detect it less here.
2: It's I think hard. that might've happened in t- tonight's show, for example.
3: Because <laughs> I'm trying to go slightly less smoky and more, dank on the hot profile with
4: this
2: so then maybe don't back off the smoke, but maybe ten or twenty percent then on that malt and that'll that sounds like it'll save you like a ton of money if it's as expensive as you say back back yeah, off like twenty percent I don't know
3: <laughs> yeah
0: uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like this is like a sissphian exercise. I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't, I don't know that you're going to get out of it what you want, but I, I, it's the journey, not the destination. And I appreciate that very much for you. So it
1: seems like you like some interesting hop characters there too. I don't, I don't use Eclipse that much, but it's, it's supposed to have, you know, a little pine needle and then some zesty citrus and stuff. And yeah,
3: it's like, um, that's a good choice for this flavor. When I, when I opened the package of it, it kind of smelled like, um, the best way to describe the scent off of it was like super concentrated chin up, kind of
1: hmm. right big grapefruity, pungent,
3: very uh, dank, very dank. Uh, yeah, resin. Sounds
1: good. I think it's a good choice.
0: Uh, anything else? Anything else to approach either on Justin's side or, or Jason's side or our side? Or are we done? Can we cut him loose. What
1: do you want? We can be done.
2: Yeah. I think we can cut Jason's club loose. the whole club is leaving
1: now the whole club is bailing
2: out on this show right now Jason do you
0: have anything for for us any other questions or Um, clarifications no
3: not on this beer I have some uh, I have a few more beers I'll be brewing up here I'll send off to you guys some interesting
2: cool nice that'll be great I'll send
3: up maple bacon beer and an absinthe beer I make and
1: yeah Ooh, that. that'd be cool yeah Absolutely. i remember that pink voodoo donut bottle
2: it's i i yeah. saved it for a long time it's such a <laughs> really unique bottle from rogue it's a shame that the contents of that bottle were not that great
0: <laughs> well yeah i mean voodoo donuts much. aren't very good either anyway blue star is better but that's just my opinion
1: oh i like voodoo donuts have you been to blue star i've had that too yeah yeah they're, they're, they're good better. they're better Krispy cream i just remember waiting in line for voodoo donuts after nhc portland and like you know staring at the picture of kenny rogers on the wall there and yeah it's just you know it's just a cool place there was there was a line out the door at at you know 1 a.m or whatever time it was and yeah it's just that kind of a scene it is that kind of scene
0: all right we're gonna take a quick break everybody we'll be right back with some more beers here on dr homebrew stay tuned Now, back to the examination. All right, thanks for hanging around, everybody. We are joined with Sean. Sean, welcome back to the show, my dude. Thank you for having
4: me again.
0: Of course, man. Welcome back. Thanks for sending in some more beers. So, uh, last time you had the, was the salted caramel porter, I
3: believe it was?
4: Yeah, that's correct. What do you have for us this time? Uh, This is... um smoked cherry porter it's
0: two smoked beers on one show Cooper what do you think it's the battle of the smoke
1: it's a smoke out we're having a, <laughs> yeah, we're having a right. session here yeah. man
0: only if this was 420 you know what I mean boys right. uh, I just poured it that is, is all carbonation <laughs> maybe I abused oh, yeah. it yeah. Um, I like a smoked beer man don't get me wrong so I'm um, I'm ready for it I'm ready for it. And say you said he smoked cherry porter. Is it cherry wood? Well, no. I don't want to know. Let's. We're gonna start, and uh, and and we'll figure it out later. I'll I'll, I'll guess what the, what the cherry is. Cooper, why don't you uh, rip us off first here,
1: buddy? I'll rip you off. Yeah. You didn't, you just you didn't notice that your pocket just got picked.
0: <laughs> oh, you don't you don't even have an open yet. Okay, all right. All right. I didn't know. I'm opening it. Oh, I didn't know oh, oh, I was. Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh too fast she's what a, happened um, what happened over there it's a gusher uh-oh well then char well we can you can go first
2: all right so uh sean thanks for uh for, for sending in your beer on on the uh, zoom uh, thing i can see your hello uh, my name is tag it says Inigo montoya you killed my father prepared to die so uh that's pretty cool uh are you in a uh, homebrew club
4: Yes, I am. I am the uh, Mad Zymergis uh, with uh, Mr. Inigo Montoya Brian Cooper here.
2: <laughs> I see he just changed his Zoom name. So very cool. Yeah, you, you look familiar. I know I've met you in the past, but you know that everyone in the podcast knows who you are. or always want to make sure everyone gets a chance to plug their club. Uh, thank you for sending this beer in. I, uh, uh, I enjoyed this one. Uh, Brian, just kind of you know, we alluded to this just a second ago, if not outright said this, I opened uh, the bottle up and it was it was a gusher and it was a fairly aggressive gusher. Uh, and mm-hmm. I opened the second bottle up just now thinking, all right, well, maybe it's a little bit different, but it was also a fairly, fairly aggressive gusher. Um, and we can talk about that uh, a little more later. Usually, a gusher indicates some kind of wild yeast infection or something. I didn't really get a lot of infection character in this, but I did get some some sort of (coughs) excuse me, geez, less flavor or aroma than I really wanted from a beer that's a a cherry smoked porter Uh, aroma. I get sort of a low smoke, uh, low malt. Dark malt, uh, base malt, but whatever malt there would be there. Uh, I get sort of a. One of the questions I'll ask you later: the cherry smoked porter. I assumed meant there was cherry and smoke, but it might have been a cherry wood. You know, the aroma to me comes across more like a cherry wood smoke, uh, as does the flavor. So overall, the aroma was at a low level. Um, I didn't get any off aromas like you might expect from something with a wild yeast. But in general, even after this is sat out, you know, it's about 9.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, I pulled this out at about 6, 6.30. Probably pulled this out of the fridge at 6 and judged this around 6.45, 7 o'clock. Uh, so, it's been sitting out for a while, and I was hoping I would get more aroma, but the aroma is overall sort of a lot lower than I would have would have expected from this beer uh, So I gave this a seven out of twelve uh, appearance three out of three uh It's a very dark brown color uh, it's uh, low, persistent tan head uh, It's always hard to tell how clear a dark beer is, but you can always kind of tell by tilting the glass and looking around the edges. Uh, It it looks pretty clear to me. So again, three out of three. Uh, Flavor starts off with a medium to high degree of of smoke. And coming back to it, after a couple hours, I I concur with that. There's a low bitterness, low roast, uh, and dark malts. Balances toward the smoke. It's very well attenuated, which is unfortunately also consistent with something that wild yeast has gotten into. Uh, Finish is long and balanced towards smoke. I don't know, after it's sat here for a while, I'd say the finish is real long, but it's it's at least a medium length and it definitely balanced towards smoke. Low ethanol. Uh, I gave this 12 out of 20 for flavor. Mouthfeel, five out of five. Medium warming, medium body, medium carbonation. There uh, is sort of a low astringency from the smoke character. As I mentioned in reviewing the beer earlier in this this show, uh, a little bit of astringency just goes with the territory for smoked beer. So that's not, to me, it's not an off, off flavor. It's not an off mouthfeel, nothing that would cause me to not give it a five out of five. Uh, overall impression, I gave it a six for a total of, of 33. Um, I think it was an interesting beer that I enjoyed a lot, but less for something that it's a, I love Porter. I love smoked beer. I love fruit beer. And I don't know if this is, you know, cherry wood smoked or if it's, if it's a wood smoked Porter that has cherry added to it, but in either event, I just, there should be more flavor in this beer than there is. And to me, the fact that I had two gushers and that Cooper had to, he opened that one and he had to run off camera and, and deal with that, uh, that, that, Unfortunately, I mean, we've all been there. I mean, I've had my share I mean it's happened you know, in you know thirty years of homebrew when it's happened to me, you know, I probably take me more than two hands to count the number of times it's happened to me and judging um, in
1: competitions right and judging in yeah.
2: competition well when when you count judging in comps, I mean there's just literally dozens of times that's happened. Um, when you open one and you have kind of that slow creep up the the bottle you wonder if it's wild yeast when you open one and less than a second after you open it it's coming out of the top uh, that's a pretty clear sign there's a wild yeast infection or something that some sort of an, some sort of infection and when it's happened to all the bottles like it's happened to us what that's what that tells me is it's not a a, a packaging variation where you might have had a handful of bottles that weren't totally clean it tells me something probably got in your fermenter uh, and started chewing up your beer, and then it got into all of your bottles. You know, I probably I, I was probably overly generous with a thirty-three, and I the sad thing is, I bet this beer had it not gotten attacked by wild yeast was probably you know a high thirties uh, beer. I, I really would have liked to have tasted what this should have been like and what you intended it to be, uh, but you know, no matter despite our best efforts, it happens to all of us. And that's sort of my, my educated guess about what had happened. I, you know, I appreciate you sharing it with us. And I can kind of tell from what I've tasted what this was supposed to have been. Uh, and I, I just don't think that we, we got what you had really intended for it to have been, but in any event, thank you very much, Sean. And uh, Brian and Ego
4: Montoya, Montoya. Sorry. Because my like, um, mine did not do the same thing as yours. It opened fine and there was no gush at all. So that was huh. yeah. kind of surprising I, to see. So
0: weird. I didn't get a gush either, but if you can see the neck of this bottle yeah. here, it's, it's mostly foam and it's been that way since Brian was talking you know, four years ago, he started talking uh, four years ago, blah, blah, it blah, hasn't, blah, it blah, hasn't blah. moved. Um, you know, it died yeah, down a little packaging bit
2: packaging variation, right?
0: It died down a little bit. Um, yeah. In, in this glass here. Um, but it was, yeah, there is, there is some thing because that's not like a normal, <clears throat>
1: I think there is some, some bottle var- variation going on. If, if his didn't, um brian's did both times
2: jp's oh look at jp's it's game. sort brian's, of that's a that's a giant it's it's very shouldn't be active. that huge and it shouldn't be that persistent <laughs> that's what she said but uh <laughs> or sorry. he i mean we don't discriminate or, on the show we're we, we we love everyone of all orientations
1: um all right cooper go ahead please okay so the first one i opened it was more like jp's it just slowly crept up the neck and I, I poured it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's it." Pours a, you know, a pretty good size head, and then I set it down, and it, I watched it. I kept looking slowly, creeping up the neck, like like his was there. So, and then the one tonight, I judge is, is like um, what happened in Brian's both times. So, um, I think there is a little bottle variation going on here, and and just being that that is different from bottle to bottle, um, you might want to either. Use new bottles if you're if you're bottling for competition, or you know, just really carefully clean your bottles and use a uh, you know, PBW and a, a star sand on them to to get them nice and clean. And inspect each bottle. Just make sure there's nothing in the bottom of it as you're bottling. If you're using re, reused bottles, which I encourage, there you can clean them and, and reuse them. And I've rarely have had a problem. But um, something a little different from bottle to bottle here. Or it could also be um, if you're bottling from a bottling bucket, and this is a, a bottle conditioned beer, there could be uh, insufficient mixing of the um, the sugar water with your uh, your batch, where it's more in the, the, first, the first beers that you bottled and less in the later ones that you bottled. For example, if you're pouring from a spigot that comes out the bottom of a bottling bucket, <clears throat> that remains to be known and discussed but you know that's there's a lot of different ways that can happen so uh opened it had a had a nice nice uh nice hiss uh and it did creep out the neck a little bit like a like a snake um there was some dense foam in the neck i I think i noted that later when i started noticing that um in the nose i'm getting a very rich smoky character up front with some just kind of gen- general dark malt alongside that it's not screaming like robust porter it's just kind of a general dark malt character kind of low but um there's also a little bit of a kind of a burnt smoky character to it with it's maybe just the smoke playing off the dark malts um no hops noted i'm finding, finding only the faintest hint of any cherry fruit um, there are some fruit esters underneath from the yeast that, that are fine, but not really um, smelling a lot of cherry. And I just tasted it there, too. But then we'll get into that flavor. Uh, there's not a whole lot of cherry in the flavor either. Appearance-wise, it's a rich black color, virtually opaque, with hints of clear reddish highlights, only at the very corners. They start out with a dense, mousse-like tan head. In the first sample, it persisted pretty well. But in this one, that gushed a little more. It, it fell flat pretty quickly. I noticed that difference as well. Two out of three for appearance, just for that aspect. Uh, In the flavor, the smoked malt character is high, but it becomes complemented by other flavors here. Um, There's some, you know, a little, I would say, kind of a bittersweet dark baker's chocolate kind of character to it. There's a medium light sweetness in there um, that kind of plays off it in kind of a nice way. Uh, no no real hops just a low hop bitterness um but the impression of bitterness coming from those darkest malts and a little bit of smoke now this is funny too because i i was telling uh sean on the break i i judged this beer first the other night after uh before the the belgian ipa because i just wanted the hoppy beer after the the dark one for some reason <laughs> right and and like so i think i had the opposite effect of brian where like this one was the first smoky beer I had. And I was like, wow, that's really smoky. And then I, I tasted the other one. I was like, wow, that's not as smoky, but tonight I'm having the reverse effect. Like that, that first, the, the Belgian uh, IPA, the smoked Belgian IPA was pretty smoky. And this one to me, just perception wise right now I'm recognizing is not as smoky, but I'm, I'm realizing that it's just my perceptions and the ordering of the beers, which is messing with my head a little bit and throwing things off. But I thought, wow, this is overly smoky and intense. And anytime you get a judging order where you have a pretty intense beer as the first beer in your flight is it's not always going to do so well, but whether it's high alcohol, something that's just really richly malty and you're just not ready for that. Your your first beer of the flight and your judge it's like, wow, something's really poking out really strongly here. And then, you get to the next experience, that stuff kind of mellows out. And as you're going through a a set of beers in a certain style, sometimes that can happen. It's like in competition, like, and as an entrant, you can't control the order that things go when you're in a competition, but it's just, it's the luck of the draw. (laughs) You just get what you get. And if the beer is really good, it should stand up on its own. And and still like the really good beer should pass through with a really well balanced beers should make it when you have three judges that know what they're doing at a table, but sometimes just being that lucky or unlucky first or last entrant in a flight, you you could, and then the last, last of the flight, sometimes it's like, you know, everything's all washed out. It's hard to pick out things. And it's harder if, especially with a really long flight, 10 or 12 beers, you're just like struggling to get anything. And sometimes alcohol becomes a factor. if, If you're drinking too much of the samples, you really have to pace yourself It's crazy. I mean, on this show too, we do most four beers in a night and we, you know, drink samples that would be appropriate for a competition. So that's just a little side tangent there, but it's just, it's interesting, like how that I'm just observing my own weakness or my own like limited, you know, ability as a judge to know like, wow, like that really affected me tasting this one second tonight as opposed to first the other night. So. An interesting side note, <laughs> but um, where was I? I don't know. About to give it a ch- score, yeah, I think. Chocolate malt. Uh, the again, the cherry is just very low in here, and I that's the same. I I never got a whole lot of cherry out of here, so I, I was left wondering, like Brian was, whether it was a cherry wood smoked malt in in the beer, and it just called a cherry, uh, a smoked cherry porter. I don't know, but, um, it's just, if there is any cherry fruit, it's really buried under all the other elements there. Uh, The beer is balanced with the smoke. It has a pretty dry finish. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of where it's at in the flavor. Mouthfeel wise, medium, full bodied. I think there's a fullness that comes from just the smokiness and the richness of it, but it's not, it's not super heavy. It's more medium, I guess. Um, and it's you know, somewhat creamy, despite all that's going on here. The high carbonation. Uh, there's no obvious astringency here, but it still has a fairly aggressive attack from all the smoked malts. Um, not getting any any alcohol warmth uh, that's noticeable. Uh, so overall, um, yes, coming back to the realm at the end is still pretty smoky, but as you go as you go along, the smoke kind of goes less. And, um, but there's something that it's, I think what, what's going on is that the, the, the porter aspect of it is just not shining through quite enough for the style, whether it's the the smoke fighting with that or something else that's coming up or wild yeast, like Brian mentioned, I don't know, but something is like dulling the dark malt aspect of this beer. That's making it just seem like generic dark malt and not like rich, you know, Somewhat roasty or, or just toasted, chocolatey, rich, you know, dark malt. The complexity is just kind of missing almost. So, or yeah. just buried perhaps. But I mean, the style itself seems pretty nice from what I can tell. And it seems, you know, like it was uh, good ingredients used and not, not too bad at brewing practices. It could be either bottling or as Brian said, maybe something got loose in the, the ferment there. It's hard to tell, but um, if you find a, you know, maybe dialing back the smoke a bit and bringing up the, the, the Porter aspects, like bringing up the, especially the, well, especially the cherry, <laughs> if there's cherry declared, if you want to declare cherry as a fruit you're going to bring that up. And I think that would be interesting with this. I think that I, I wanted to taste cherry and I just really didn't get much at all, or if any. So uh, let that special ingredient shine through if it's declared and just keep trying this. Um, it's an interesting idea for a beer. It's another one where there's a lot going on, but you could find a balance that would work for this. Uh, I just don't think this one does. I landed at a 27 on the beer and I think it's, it's good. It's, it's drinkable. Um, it's it's smooth for a, a smoked beer, and also a dark beer, which could fight with the smoke a bit. So, but yeah, something is not quite letting that the dark um, the porter like characters shine through for me. So, that's where I'm at with it. But I, I'd love to um, hear JP's impressions of this beer next.
0: Oh wow! Look at that. It's almost like we've been doing this for a long time. He's, he's yeah, a I mean, I, I sort of echo what everyone's saying. <laughs> you know, it 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 is a little muted. Um, so I do think that something got in there um, and sort of chewed through what would normally be unfermentables. Um, that led to sort of an overcarbonation, and then you know, so some of the flavor profile that that you were you know implying by your by the name or intending to be there, just aren't there. It's sort of. I don't know, like a light stout where it's like a little more roasty than I would think a Porter would be. But, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll get into the recipe, you know, in a second, but yeah, it just, it, it, I mean, overall it's not, it's not awful. Like I wouldn't really know that it was, that maybe something was wrong just by the flavors. Um, you know, it's just that carbonation was a dead giveaway. Um, so that's good. I think that's like a it's a positive note where it's not like oh it's really phenol and maybe some of the smoke characters hiding some of those those uh you know contaminant notes as well um overall yeah you know i my my gut tells me it's cherry wood smoked, but i i I don't know to be sure um i I don't know why um it would be a smoked cherry porter if it was cherry smoked wood so maybe there's supposed to be cherries in there maybe that's Uh, that's where maybe some of the wild yeast got some more food is from the cherries. We'll see. I don't know. We'll, we'll check the recipe, but overall, I think it's a good beer. I I think the flavors are there, but it's, but again, it's, it's distorted a little bit because of, because of something, either too much carbonation. Maybe there's a carbonation variance between the, the, the bottles and that's what we're seeing. But, uh, the, I think the bubbles are like way too tight and way too long lasting for it to just be carbonation, um, batch to batch, um, so yeah, I don't know, hard to say. But uh Sean, why don't you give us your recipe and we'll we'll start there.
1: It does have a nice label though, too, with the, yeah, the label's the, cool the, a tree on it. So that might be a hint there. I don't know.
4: Yeah, um I apologize. I need to grab my phone real quick.
0: Excuse yeah, that's all right, man. Don't worry about it. No worries. <laughs> you know, tasting it now, I do I do get a cherry sweetness. It's the sweetness that's coming through. You know what I mean? And so it's like there's a, there's a, I I don't get that. There's an extra dryness there. So I do think that there's something there, but I do get a cherry, uh, a cherry sweetness sort of like wrapped around the middle part.
1: There is a sweetness there. And yeah, talk yourself into cherry, but it's kind of hard for me to do that. (laughs) Okay. So um,
4: there, there is actually cherry, cherries in this. Um, At the time, I couldn't find any fresh cherries, which I would have liked, um, so I had to go with frozen, and they're actually uh, smoked with cherry wood on my grill, so I smoked the cherries um, on the grill, but um, I didn't realize how much smoke flavor would come through on that, and so at first it was very prominent. Okay,
1: so, so this is blowing my mind. It's a smoked cherry porter.
4: Yes. It's oh. actually
2: smoked cherries. That <laughs> Fascinating. Are, so the cherries. malt is not smoked. Only
4: the cherries were smoked. Well, there was some smoked malt, but it was so little that it actually – you couldn't even taste it when I, before, gotcha. I, before I added the smoked um, cherries. So it's, um, Understood. it's 76% uh, Maris Otter, um, for 5% caramel, 60%, uh, 5% caramel – 120, some flaked oats, 3.6%, 3.4% black patent, and 3.4% uh, chocolate, and then 1.8% uh, midnight wheat. And then that was the smoked cherry uh, malt, is what it was, 1.8%. So it was very little. I was kind of warned that it was very strong, so not to put so much in. Cherrywood
1: smoked malt is very intense, yes. Yes. It really was. T- very
4: tasty, but very intense, correct?
2: Why so, smell that back?
4: You know, putting what I put in, it, I kind of know now that I could add a little more and it probably would come out. But because of that, and I didn't get any of that smoked flavor, I, that's why I decided to smoke the cherries. And um, it came out uh, pretty strong at first. Um, hop-wise, it's... Um, Palatural Magnum, 60 minutes, uh, just six point six eight ounces, and then an uh, ounce of Fugles at 15 minutes. And then I did add some um, artificial cherry flavoring just because I wasn't... I think I smoked a lot of the flavor out of the cherries when I smoked them. I just smoked them too long. And that's, I
1: wonder what those the cherries looked like after
4: you know, pictures look, of the They looked kind yeah. of like uh I mean. almost like yeah.
2: just, you know. So Well yeah, they probably made like essentially you made raisins.
4: Yeah, no, so
1: it's raisins. Was, you
4: it caramelized looked, some of the sugars in that yeah. and yeah. Right. And so it didn't it um, and now this this was one of my um, uh, I did four four Christmas beers for friends and family that, and this was one of them I made. So this is actually uh, about 171 days right now been um, sitting. So it's, it's matured a little bit. It's actually mellowed out from when it was from the beginning, which I liked. I actually like it a little better now than when it was at first. It was, a, I was kind of disappointed because it was so smoky at first, but now it's not as, I mean, the smoke's there, but it wasn't like, overpowering when i first made it
1: yeah it's fairly smooth in the in some ways it's 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 enjoyable for what it is it's not yeah. not screaming cherry by any sense uh, you know
4: but it's, oh, it's, and a then dark, it's good a dark beer 1968 Y yeast okay. is the yeast so that's that's pretty much it
1: how, how many pounds of cherries were there in this again
4: i think it was i didn't have it quite I don't remember putting it down here but it was uh oh no I'm sorry it's uh it was 16 ounces frozen they were frozen cherries you know just like packages of frozen cherries I I I would have rather had fresh ones but they just weren't seasoned so
1: yeah it might be better to start off with at least a few pounds of you know fruit and a beer like this to stand up to that dark malt and maybe don't abuse it quite as much but yeah um it's uh it was an interesting experiment and you're like you're doing some creative and fun things with your beers you know as i know you're a fairly new brewer and you have the this energy it's you know it's a little infectious to me it's like it makes makes me want to get back into that like let's do something just really different and twist something around and do something fun that just sounds interesting and see where it goes and you know, maybe at first it didn't taste great but now it's it's drinkable and it's you know it's a good beer it's it's a smooth dark beer would i enter it in a competition as a cherry smoked porter no but i don't know that i entered it in a competition but you can drink it and enjoy it but you no, can- i mean
4: all, in all honesty this was um this was my least favorite beer that i brewed out of everything i've done it just it was. The one the one beer that I brewed and I was actually kind of like the first beer I was disappointed in. It yeah. just didn't it just didn't yeah. do what I was hoping for. And uh, I mean, I like like you said, it's drinkable and like it's not it's not dumper, but it was like the one I was just like, all right. I you know, you know what, man, I really <laughs>
2: respect the cre- the creativity of smoking the cherries, and that's the one of the great things about home brewing, right? Is you can do stuff. I was expecting like a smoked malt, something, but it would never have occurred to me to do that. And that's genius. And that's a really fun thing to play with, just smoke the fruit itself. And that's just super cool. Yeah. And sometimes you try those experiments so they don't quite end up the way you want, but that's okay because you have fun doing it and you're playing with things and you can either go further down that rabbit hole and fine tune that or say, you know what? That was fun to try. I'm not going to do it again. Either way, you know, it's it's your choice and it's fine. And that's one of the great things about homebrewing is just the experimenting and the trying new stuff and just playing around with things that nobody would do at a commercial level. Because no one at like uh, a a brew pub or tap room or something is going to go out and take like a ton, a literal ton of cherries and smoke them. Right. 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 And yeah, you, you
1: recognized too that you needed to add a little more cherry flavor and you tried to yeah. get a little more in there with extract. Yeah.
4: The thing was I smoked them for like an hour so it was like I, I, it was way too long and I it was experimental. I didn't know I was just like that's how I smoke yeah. a lot of my stuff and it turns out fine but it, when it comes to like putting it in a beer and you want that cherry flavor, I kind of smoked the cherry flavor out of it, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Right. yeah, are you going to do it yeah. again? Do you think
4: that way? Uh, I might, and if I did, I would probably only do it for like ten minutes or something to try and, yeah. you know, get a little bit of that infusion in there. But then to try and not dry up out and keep that, that, and probably do a little bit more too. Then
0: yeah, because I, I mean, I also yeah. wonder what it's doing for you—the smil- smoking the cherries versus just adding smoke malt and cherries. I wonder if there's a big enough difference to like warrant you know, potentially drying them out or whatever.
4: No. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's just something that it's, it's cool. It's convenient. And it's right. easy for me to do. Yeah. Like, like you said, like on a commercial level, it's like, yeah, no, you're not doing that, but no. you know, just something where I have the time to actually try it. You know, I was like, I'm just like, why not? So. Yeah. I definitely, definitely
0: want to encourage you to keep, you know, doing creative stuff like that. I, you know, if, it, and this is the thing, like sometimes like we sort of, try to help people fine tune processes without actually knowing if that's something that they give a shit about, you know you know what I mean? In my no, head, I'm sure. like, I'm like, I, I don't know if the juice is worth a squeeze to, to do this. You could probably get a better flavor profile doing it just the, you know, traditional way. But that's why we homebrew. It's that fun, creative outlet to let us smoke cherries. <laughs> and put him in a beer. Like, who does that?
2: And that's maybe the first time I've heard the word someone use the phrase the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah. It actually makes sense and is a is appropriate for what is happening Damn, uh, in the go. conversation. Right. I mean, it's like telling an
1: artist who who, who like has a technique where they just splatter paint against the canvas. Like maybe you could just actually just use the paintbrush on the canvas, or you
2: know. Have you tried
0: connecting the 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 splatter dots? Have you tried doing that? Maybe try that. Tried feeding the
2: tuna to feeding the mayonnaise to the tuna. That's right. (laughs)
0: Um, Sean, do you have any questions for for these guys?
4: You know, uh, not really. I this was um this was just for me. This was an experiment experimental beer. Um, a process like I was just trying to put something together and see, see what it worked. And, um, you know, and I can, I can be honest with myself and, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent satisfied with how this turned out. And, um, and I'm okay with that because, you know, I learned and there you go going forward, you know, will I do it again? Who knows? If I do, it definitely won't be um, as long as I did. And I'll, you know, I'll learn from how I, I did that. And uh, is it all in in bottles? It's all in bottles. Yeah, yeah, Because
1: if this was in so, a keg, you could probably add some more cherry flavoring to it and get something right. that might yeah. play a little more. But it's mellowing out, and like, and the bottle conditioning is is probably helping it because it's not oxidized.
4: It's right. not, and it's phenolic. it's because like I, I've tried probably like ten of these. That I have at home and not one single one has done what yours has done.
0: Hmm. Like, weird.
4: I, I know. It's like, I it's like, I was like tripping out when all yours were like foaming up like that. I'm like, that's so weird.
0: I wonder if it's j- the shipping. Like if, if there is something in the, in the bottles, I wonder if just the heat caught it and sort of was able to, you know.
4: Well, I don't think that would cause I just drove it. Thirty seconds down the street to right. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then there you go. Literally, no, no, no. literally, there's literally no like. Damn. You know, I mean, they were cold when I brought them over, so I don't know. It's yeah. it,
2: that's weird. I really put it right in the fridge. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. remind me, Sean, when did you add the smoked cherries?
4: Was it in the boil or after the boil? No, this was in the secondary. So yeah. um, it that was may that may have been seven, seven days after. That that may be
2: what brought something in. I don't think you want to boil the cherries, but
1: where would you add them, Brian? God,
2: that's just, it's so hard. I would probably, if I were going to do this, because fruit, especially fruit like that, is so susceptible to bacteria, wild yeast, and stuff getting in. If I were going to smoke the cherries and put them in, I'd probably, I'd smoke them, and I might take them, I wouldn't want to put them in hot. I might try to put them in a stair in some sort of sanitized container where I could seal it. And be, try to keep some, it's, it's so hard because what? you wouldn't want to put them right in because you don't want to put that hot stuff right into your, your fermenting beer, but like anything in the air that gets in those smoked cherries uh, is going to, even for like a, an hour or two while it's cooling, well, it's warm. That's that's the perfect time for bacteria and yeast to start start multiplying. Uh, and unless maybe I sprayed them with some Star sand and, and put them in a, a like a Ziploc bag and tried to force some air out of it, and then you know, an hour or two later dumped them in. I, I don't. know I'm just kind of making stuff up on the fly for how to how to try to keep wild yeast and bacteria out. I suspect that's where they came from.
4: Well, normally what I do is um, – this was kind of a rush job because I did four beers in, like, 10, 15 days or something like Damn. that. And this was all for – because I had to have it all for Christmas, so I made them all. Like, yeah. And so it was kind of rushing. But normally what I do for fruit is I, I put them in a vacuum seal bag. Yeah. I freeze them. Yeah. And then I vide them for – at 149 for an hour, and I haven't had any issues with bacteria in my – right. In my beers, but this was like a rush job, and I wasn't. I I don't remember if I star sands them or whatever I did. It it wasn't my normal process of. Well, you know, yeah, your
2: race. normal process is a really good process, and I would, if you did this again, I would do that with the smoked cherries, because to me that's like, that that time frame between the time you're done smoking. And the time you they cool off and go in the secondary, just going from primary to secondary is a risk factor for adding wild yeast or bacteria.
4: Yeah, and
2: then you add some fruit that you've smoked, which me and it's at a, at a that warm temperature, and you know yeast and bacteria like that. You know, what temperature 90 was to this and- The
1: smoking
4: at? I wonder what was it? Oh, two. Two seventy-five, probably somewhere in that range. Yeah, I mean, they're they're going to cool, but but they're going to cool
2: down, though, Coop. And then, kind of, you know, my my thinking, Brian, is not during the smoking because that's going to kill stuff. But the time between the smoking is done, and -hmm. the time they've cooled off enough to go in the the secondary, uh, that's where you're going to acquire wild yeast and bacteria. You could add them hot to the secondary. It's not going to make that big a difference. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a thought. Just put them in. And right yeah, you'll shock. Smoker. I mean, part of the point of the secondary is get the yeast out, and it's going to be hot, and it's going to raise the temperature of the secondary. But a little bit, yeah. So in, in some ways, you know. so what, right?
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, you can also cold smoke them too.
4: Yeah. Lower the temperature a little bit. Yeah, I just I don't. Afraid, but yeah, I, I honestly, it's been it's almost been six months since I yeah. brewed, it, so it's like I. I didn't take notes on it. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's
2: like whatever. It's for- a thing. I forgot exactly oh, we, we, We've nine. all been gotcha. there. It's you're trying right. to get stuff done. Like you're saying, you're trying to brew a bunch for Christmas. You're in a hurry. You're doing stuff. Yeah. And I bet the others are fantastic, but you're also experimenting, but you just don't have time because it's Christmas. And on top of brewing, you have all the Christmas stuff you do, and you want to do it, and it's fun. But it's that uh, whole Thanksgiving to Christmas time is so busy for everybody.
1: Yeah, what is the lacquerhead reference?
4: <laughs> uh, it's a uh, it's Primus song. Okay, yeah. So a lot of my my beers were uh, were named after Primus songs. Uh, nice. <laughs> and that was kind of the theme that we we were doing at the time. So cool. Nice. All
0: right, Sean, we'll let you go, man. I right appreciate on. it. I think we've uh, squeezed all the juice out of this fruit.
4: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, thanks, Sean. I appreciate mm-hmm. it, man. No, thanks again for having me. Cheers. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick
0: break. We'll come right back and wrap this ship up. Hang on, it's Dr. Homebrew. All right, thanks for sticking around, everyone. Just a quick wrap up here, mainly because I forgot the break on the last show. Uh, two smoke beers on one show. I don't know if I want to do that again. That was a lot. That was quite a session there, dude. Yeah, that was I'm a lot down of for smoke doing beer. it again. I'm. Um, I, I like smoke beer. Don't get me wrong, but these were like.
1: Whew, I like, like to challenge oh, my palate, but uh, you know, sometimes you just want an alien Bud Light instead of this <laughs> stuff. Anyway, is this what I should? No, this it's up? not this is-
0: because we had already talked about it before the break to not <laughs> talk about it. And Cooper knows he's being an asshole. <laughs> All right, we're out of here, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, take it easy.